It's the year 2022 and the church is not okay. This pandemic has been going on for too long. Going into year three of this world-changing pandemic, we are doing our best to help the church into a new future. We are hybrid pastors for a church on the edge. This is the Millennial Pastors Podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Pastors Podcast. My name is Eric Parker. And I'm Courtney Reedman Parker. And joining us today, a long-awaited guest on our podcast is the Reverend Anita Saroop, who is joining us today for what we have entitled Ask Anita. Uh, we're hoping this isn't a one-time only uh, guest spot, but a recurring segment with one of my favorite human beings, uh, colleague, friend, co-conspirator in the gospel, Reverend Anita Saroop. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, that's my, I think, my favorite introduction ever I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. It was a wonderful, wonderful voice in our church. And um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to be here. And um, yeah, sorry, what did you ask? You asked me a question, asked Anita. Tell, and ask Anita. So my first question that I'm going to ask you is to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I am um, serving a congregation in um, on the west west coast, the the um, traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, the Musqueam, the Squamish, and the Tsleil-Waututh nations, which colonizers named Vancouver, British Columbia, but um, lived here in this province since I was nine. Born in Ontario, love this province so much. Glad to be in Vancouver. Um, serving the people at Spirit of Life, Lutheran, and um, yeah, new, kind of a new person to the Lutheran tradition. I was baptized when I was 29, and no word of a lie, I think, I think that was like before Y2K, and so I was thinking, well, why not get baptized? <laughs> What did I know, right? What could it hurt? So I'm a new, kind of a new Christian, I guess. I think um, our colleague, Pastor Karen Stepko, put it this way, that we were baptized the same year. We're kind of like in in our confirmation years, you know, like we're kind of young, maybe the youth or the young adults of, uh, you know, theologically or spiritually, but most of the young adults I know are... <laughs> far and beyond more spiritually aware than than well I guess I should stop there <laughs> I'm not gonna continue that <laughs> myself to this corner. um yeah so I um dad um he was really, really interested in all kinds of religions he was he always wanted to talk to people about their perception of God, their experience of God, but he himself was a practicing Hindu. So um, he said something to me once. He said, you know, Anita, religion is like a mountain. There are many paths to the top, but once you get to the top, the view is the same. And I remember even as a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old going, yeah, cool story. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. That's really <laughs> profound. But I think it influenced me more than I thought because when I had kids, 
I was interested in having conversations about God. And I thought, well, why not try a church? A, a friend of mine at work said, um, would you like to come to my church? And we have a great congregation. Come meet my pastor. He's really great. And um, I remember meeting the pastor. And he, it turned out that he was the same same pastor that I had met. He was a university chaplain at UVic. And that's another story. But anyways, about a year later, after <laughs> after talking with this pastor almost weekly or maybe twice a month about God, because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk to someone about God. I was baptized. So a year later, I was baptized. So not the usual way of coming into the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada. I do remember at my baptism... There were crowds of people from the church. Everybody wanted to come and see this this brown lady adult come and get baptized. I didn't realize what a spectacle it was or what a spectacle it still could be. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I guess um, what else? I am a spouse. My husband is a permanent resident. He is a German citizen. Um, my children are grown and, uh, grew up in the church. They were, they were all baptized and confirmed in this church and, um, consider themselves Lutheran. Even when I was briefly serving a, an Anglican parish or, um, my youngest daughter kept reminding me, um, don't forget mom, we're Lutheran. So... <laughs> She has no no problems <laughs> remembering who she is. So I hope that answers your question. That's a great introduction, Anita. I mean, <laughs> there are so many things that we could that we could uh, say about you that we could say about when we're introducing ourselves. It's always sort of an awkward question, right? Like, well, what do people? Yeah. want to know about me and one of the things that we um have talked about on our podcast from the beginning um is both to have guests on um and so we're so excited for you to be our first uh and uh, so far only only guest on our podcast but also we've been talking about what it's like to be a pastor in the midst of a pandemic. And when we were talking together about having you on and uh, and what we were going to ask you, we talked about, you know, what, um, what would it be like to start a call in the midst of the pandemic? Because you started as the pastor of spirit of life just over a year ago so we were not even quite a year into the global pandemic and uh and so in comparison um i had been i had been in my call for just over a year um and uh when you started so i had 10 10 weeks 10 weeks of uh the before times ministry with my congregation and eric had about a year and 10 weeks with him and so we're wondering what's it like starting a call in a new congregation with a new group of people that you've been called to serve uh, during a global pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. I just want to also let you know that, or just clarify, I also finished a call in the middle of a, of a <laughs> pandemic, right? 
yeah when I when the pandemic started in March of gosh when was it 2020 2020 2020 2020 um yeah I remember um the writing on the wall the you know, from the diocese office, I was serving in the diocese of British Columbia. And, um, you know, the Sunday thinking, um, this is the last time that we're going to gather for a very long time. And like, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We had like, hot pitchers of soapy water, you know, and basins to everybody, all the, the servants were washing their hands, you know, and um, just looking out, serving communion and thinking, this is this is not gonna, you know, this is not gonna happen next week, right? And coincidentally, I was also in a call process. And um, uh, yeah, that same Sunday, I was scheduled to do a, uh, a meeting, like to meet the congregation in Vancouver. And, you know, it's sort of like, well, do we come? Do we not come? you know, to have this surreal last um, service and then go to my office. And when I pick up my phone and the chair of the, the call committee said, no, there's this one sentence. It's the people say come. So, you know, my husband and I were already packed. And, you know, we just drove to the ferry, went to Vancouver, stayed in our car <laughs> before we were allowed to on the ferry and, and um, you know, entertained this idea of, of leaving leaving people in the middle of a pandemic and meeting new people in the middle of a pandemic. So it was really um, a bit surreal. And in those days, we thought truly we were going to be back by Easter. And, um, and so being in a call process in the beginning of the pandemic was strange in terms of, you know, when is it reasonable to start? When is it reasonable to, to pack up our house of, 20 something years, you know, um, the family home kind of thing and, and start fresh in the middle of a pandemic. When is it the best time? And, um, yeah, I can't believe we actually just did it because in hindsight, there was no best time. So starting a new ministry here with the people of spirit of life, you know, not really being able to, um, to do the things that that normally you do when you, you come to a, a new congregation, this the installation was on Zoom, as you know, you because you preached, Pastor Courtney. It was uh, it was um, it was surreal, but it was also wonderful to have people attend from across the ELCIC. So just to see the photos, I was like, oh my gosh! Almost every synod is represented here, and um, you know, we had some awesome creative people like pastor nathan fong and pastor fleming Bushin and and bishop kathy martin and uh pastor Kristen Steele, you know just put their heads together saying we could do this we can make a really good installation service and um and it was awesome it was celebratory it was so different and the people at spirit of life were glad i think they were glad to to celebrate with so much more widely than if it was an installation service in person, in the old way kind of thing. So there was that blessing in the midst of it. But at the same time, it was sad not to have feast afterwards and, and um, you know, do the whole 
potluck thing that we do so well. <laughs> but um, absolutely, yeah. So, and it's taken a lot longer. It take, took a lot longer to meet and really talk with people. You know, like it's it's one thing to talk with people on the phone or to, um, you know, just kind of uh, figure out what their level of technology is, but it's totally different to meet people in person. So I think that just took a lot longer, but it's necessary and good work and, and uh, we have to learn each other. So um, it's just taking the time that it, that it takes. So, yeah. And it's interesting how many people, like it really, I'm sure you, everyone realized this, how many people have access to technology. So, you know, here in the city, there are lots of people in this congregation that don't have Wi-Fi. So having Zoom worship meant that we were alienating it's a small congregation, so I can. It's safe to say half the congregation, right? So, hmm. just kind of learning where, where, how people are, and these are these are personal, very deeply personal issues, right? Um, to say I don't have Wi-Fi, that that says a lot of things. That you need to be in good relationship with a person to be able to to talk about all of those things. So, yeah. Those are the kind of things that it was very, very strange to the relational pieces, the tech pieces. I, I feel like because we started, we started in, and I started in another congregation. So when I started there, there was a guy there. He had just won the, the Canadian Broadcasting Lifetime Achievement Award. He was a broadcaster for CTV and Global News. He was the um, a correspondent for CBC and he's in the congregation. So of course it was easy for him to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the equipment we need. This is the way that we're going to do worship. And then um, everybody, like the whole, I'm sure as in all congregations, the whole plan moved around, like the whole ministry moved around. Who are the people that are present? What are the gifts that are present? right? What kind of resources do we have to supplement this ministry now in a different way? And then when I came to Spirit of Life, it was like, okay, what would I do differently now? I could start, I get to start all over again because they didn't have anything in place. So I got to try something completely different than what we had been doing or what I had been doing at St. Mary's. So that was interesting. You know, it would have been probably easy to sort of have people you know, just fall in line with the program that I'm used to so that I can feel competent and an expert. But that's not what ministry is, right? It's about seeing who's in the context and what are the gifts present. And so we did something completely different. And and I'm glad we had another person who was an expert um, who uh, freely offered his gifts. and um, And then we built our technology ministry around, around that momentum. So, yeah. So it was good to be able to try two different, wildly different things instead of like just knowing one system. So. Yeah. And to be willing to recognize that um, we can do things in different ways and it doesn't make one way good and the other way bad. 
right? The way that you were doing it in your previous call wasn't bad. There was nothing wrong with it. It worked really well in that context. But you move into a new context with a new group of people, a new community with their own practices and gifts and abilities and budgets. And that shapes what we can or cannot do in community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really uh, metaphorical for all ministry, right? Like, to to compare um, ministries or to compare congregations or demographics or whatever, right? Like, it's you're it's very contextual. It's very uh, time and place. So, um, just just listening to what you're sort of describing this experience and thinking about, you know, starting new during the pandemic. One of the things that I recognize is that, you know, being a year into a new call and then going to pandemic style ministry feels like, you know, I had all these things sort of planned and and things that were sort of just um, having been planted during the first year were ready to start sort of growing and blooming. And then it felt like this giant, you know, pause button appeared and paused everything. And then we figured out the little pieces here and there of what we could what we could do and what we could begin to do and the new things that we could try. Um, so for you starting new, does it feel like there's that pause feeling or button on the ministry or having started a new call in this new environment? Is there some freedom and sort of like, well, let's try this, let's try this and not really thinking about all the things that you had to stop doing before. Is that sort of part of the new ministry or does it feel like there's still a giant pause button on some of the things that you wish you could be doing? Um, I would say probably both, but I don't really know any different. So I haven't had to do ministry in an urban setting. You know, I've always heard friends say, talk about the commute, you know, it takes 30 minutes to get anywhere type of thing. Right. Or talk about, you know, how congregations are not neighborhood congregations anymore they're very much you know people drive 40 minutes to to get to the congregation so um so in that sense you know being able to sort of like um be beyond i would say um in ministry here i i don't even know what that looked like i'm i'm not even 100 percent sure what it looked like for my predecessors and um and so this is kind of all I all that I know. So it doesn't feel so much like a pause. Um, it feels like this is our this is our beginning together. This is it is what it is, right? Like this is just us coming together in the be- beginning of a pandemic and 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 flourishing the ministry together. You know, responding to God's call together um, right now. So it doesn't. Yeah, if there's, it doesn't feel like a big pause for me. Um, and, you know, I guess you'd have to ask each individual if it feels like a pause for them. There hasn't been a huge urgency to, um, you know, I don't feel pressured to be doing more and more and more kind of thing. People are really happy here and, uh, um yeah, I think we're all kind of on the same page. So it, it um, there's no, yeah. But that being said, I am looking forward to something, you know, I re- I recognize that 
you know, as restrictions are lifted and as we move more into endemic stages and um, we will be kind of released into another phase of this and, um, you know, and not, it's not going to be the same as whatever they remember here or whatever I remembered in Victoria. It's going to be something completely different that's going to be informed by the last two years of, of uh, revelation, I guess. So, yeah, it's kind of exciting. Really, the, real, the world really has changed, right? So... ask next i know it's not the next question in our list but i'm going to go there next because i think it's a natural transition point about what has been the biggest challenge and what's been the biggest surprise for you in the midst of pandemic ministry whether that's where you are now or or where you were before well i think um the biggest surprise is that um there are i'm encountering many people who are eager to embrace technology that um i think that they might be considered you know too old or too whatever you know um i think what i've always loved like one of my favorite things was this this pastor that i met his name is reverend herman bickle and herman bickle always told me that he was so excited to learn new things and he lived a very, very long time. Um, he was the person that was like, spent his entire life as a pastor. And then he would sit in Bible study week after week with people and literally struggle with the text. He was so excited to always learn something new. And so that's kind of like, I have a heart for that kind of person. There are people like that. You know, I've encountered people like that. They are, of course, a little afraid at first of the technology, but not so much that they would make that a barrier for themselves. Um, because connecting with community was like high value. So, um, you know, there are some people, <laughs> there are some people here in the congregation in their late 80s, 90s, who join on Zoom for worship, right? And uh, figured it out, because we all had to figure it out. But if if you believe you know something about yourself that is a lie that that keeps you from um encountering a different like transformation or god's god's you know flourishing of whatever it is in your life kind of thing and you can believe that lie um you'll just stop yourself right so can a 93 year old person learn to to worship on zoom yeah absolutely i've seen it I've seen it with my own eyes, right? So, um, yeah, I think that surprised me and encouraged and inspired me. Um, challenges, I would say, um, probably in this later part of the pandemic, um, when there just seems to be so much... Um, so much uh, differing opinions about vaccines and vaccine passports. And, um, and I think 
for me, it was just so easy to sort of say, well, everybody thinks this way, right? Like everybody thinks this way. It's, it's easy to, to proclaim that this is like something that is communal. This is something that is gospel based because surely Jesus meant for us to care for you know, everyone and that whole thing. Well, that person that annoys you and you have to think really hard, who is that person that annoys me that Jesus is standing with, right? Well, it wasn't that hard. It's not that hard to find those people in these times, right? To be able to say, um, you know, have someone come to you and say, you know, Pastor Anita, the mainline, the mainline news is is uh, it's false. They're just controlled by the government. Trudeau and his puppets, and uh, and uh, vaccines are unsafe, and blah blah blah. And for me, as a human being, to sit with this person and not want to to strangle them in in a pastoral way, right? Like it's just it's really I found that incredibly challenging, you know, um, to say this is the person that is on that other side of the line that Jesus is standing with. And I find it really, really hard. And, um, and I still find it really hard to be able to, to say, but I think also too, when um, you see, so you see people that, that say, well, you know, there's both, there's two sides, there's good people and bad people on both sides. Right. And I think, you know, who else said that? <laughs> A, a disgraced president of the United States, right? Also said something like that. So sometimes I think that that it is a challenge for pastors to be able to speak, to speak um, in a way that is like not very centrist and not very, you know, holding both sides. Sometimes you do have to, to speak. Um, and so I do find that challenging. And perhaps... <laughs> even troublesome but yeah well I think you've named a challenge that is uh perhaps more hot highlighted spotlighted right now um but one in which we've likely all encountered in in ministry right are people who for whom we don't agree with people for whom have very different ideas of um, what what the gospel looks like, um, mm -hmm. you know, not just on the page, but in real life. And as you were talking, I was thinking about this um, example you gave from your father, right, of this, you know, we get to the top of the mountain and the, and the view looks the same. And uh, yes, but... <laughs> Right. Yes. It, uh, I mean, it's a lovely idea. It, it really is a lovely idea. And if we're all looking from the same, right, if we have our viewfinders and we're all pointed at the same direction, we will see that lovely skyscape that is on, you know, the one side of your, your office, right? Yeah. Best view, best office <laughs> view in Canada from a pastor's office is situated at spirit of life lutheran church um but but <laughs> but if you turn right if you turn and you're facing in another in a in a different direction right mm -hmm. if the lens through which you view this view is even off by a couple of degrees mm -hmm. you're looking at something completely different yeah 
Um, and how do we, how do we, <laughs> right? How do we <laughs> minister to, walk alongside, um, share the good news, proclaim the good news, see Jesus in one another mm-hmm. when the other seems quite frankly like an idiot most of the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Pastor Courtney, real, this, that's is really exactly, hard. this is exactly why we could have been lifelong friends because you would have been at my dinner table arguing with my dad, with me, and I'd be like, what Courtney just said, exactly. But I did go back with my dad and I said, you know, at one point I said, you know, that's, that's nice, like that there are many paths to the top, but but you can't really get up a mountain without choosing a path and following it, right? And so I hear what you're saying in the relationship, right? It's like you're walking together on this on this journey together kind of thing. It's that's a relational thing. And you're right, like no matter what, you're there are always gonna be people who are who are looking in different directions and that is natural. And you know, I just didn't think that I I haven't encountered, we, I don't think we've encountered it as much as we are right now. Just this revelation. I think as Canadians, we like to say that we're tolerant. And I think tolerance means that we look the other way. We don't speak what we think. And we, you know, we just, uh, we keep it under wraps. But now people are, are revealing, you know, their, where they're looking out from their viewpoints. And, um, and that is uh, challenging for, for all of us. But as pastor or as uh, in ministry, I think it is it is challenging to speak things and to even discern, you know, is this just my voice or is this actually what the gospel is saying? Right. So it's I find it very challenging and interesting, interesting in these times. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> It's our equivalent of bless your heart. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The Millennial Pastors Podcast is made possible by a grant from the Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada. The Manitoba Northwestern Ontario or MNO Synod is one of five synods in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Canada or ELCIC. The Synod covers 54 congregations in Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario, from Brandon, Manitoba in the west to Thunder Bay, Ontario in the east, and from Morris on the U.S. border to Thompson, Manitoba bordering on Canada's north. With a baptized membership of 17,000 people, the MNO Synod is headquartered in Winnipeg, Manitoba. The Synod serves 54 congregations throughout the ministry, through the ministry of the Bishop's Office and working in the areas of youth and young adult ministry, missions, outdoor ministry, social justice, ecumenical relations, stewardship, and guiding ordained ministers and pastors through call processes. The MNO Synod can be found online at mnosynod.org and on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out if you want to find a congregation in the MNO or if you want to know about their work. Check out dictionary.com if you want to know what the word synod means. (laughs) 
so I like this segue, this natural segue, because, you know, as the podcast is aptly named, we are millennials. We are elder. We are elder millennials. Um, I feel it in my bones. Uh, I slipped on the dry on the snow yesterday. I didn't fall, but I was like, I'm going to feel that. And within moments I could. And um and and so that's the position and the place that we you know live our life and experiences as as elder millennials and and has been our experience of church also and so I'm wondering um to if you are able to speak particularly from your position as a as a Gen Xer in the church and um like I said to you in our earlier conversations this is I mean a pretty broad question that is uh pretty interest it's 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 going to be filled with intersectionality right because it's just like i i can't separate my generation from my a from my gender from my from my experience right i mean all of these things are are combined but i'm wondering if you can if you can you know as you think about your experience in in church in in ministry what um how do you think that where you sit as a gen xer sort of uh impacts your your perspective and your and your pastoring your your ministry yeah yeah well i mean like yeah it's funny i come from the friends generation you're from the how i met your mother generation <laughs> i guess right but like i feel like um as a gen xer i it it's we were that generation that was constantly comparing themselves to the boomers, the baby boomers. Right. And so we were just not, we were raised by the boomers and, and um, it, it's, it's interesting to experience being a generation X um, person in contrast to a millennial generation. Right. So for me, I, I would ask you the question, how is it, how's it been, you know, experiencing the millennial um, experience in contrast to Gen Z, right? Like just to like, it's, it's, it's cause we thought we were it, right? Like nobody, nobody had felt like we ever felt we were, you know, what was the theme song for friends? You know, all of that. We were like, yes, exactly. Overeducated, underemployed, right? Like that was us. And, um, yeah. And then there was like this millennial culture and it's like, huh okay interesting okay and you guys are fighting with the boomers but wait a second we were always fighting with the boomers okay you guys go ahead and fight with the boomers i need a break <laughs> right typical <laughs> typical gen x but i think that like gen x right now it feels like middle management so it's like it feels like yeah i totally get what you're saying i totally understand what you're saying the majority of my friends are mostly of the millennial generation um it's like there just seems to be more um uh i guess we put up with more maybe it is is that's what it was we put up with more because there was nobody like you weren't thinking of anybody coming behind saying you know like no that Somebody has to deal with that. That's not right kind of thing, right? So I don't know. In terms of ministry, when someone um, says, you know, um, 
they, they have this sort of antiquated way of thinking, like, this is the way that the church has always been. This is really important. We stand and, and or we'll live and die on this, you know, tenet of theology alone kind of thing. I don't know. I feel like I see people of my generation saying, yeah, that's it. Like they bought in to that because what else do you know, right? You're, you're sort of like part of the church. You were raised in the church. Um, I imagine that, um, I mean, I think that there are a lot of uh, people of the, of this gen, of my generation that did not um, stay in the church and, um, but my husband, who is Boomer, he would tell you the same thing. His family, his mother did not want to raise the children in the church. They were baptized in a Lutheran congregation. They were they went to like they dropped the kids off at confirmation, but they would not take them to church. They would not like there was this whole ideology in Germany that was like the church is backwards. You don't want your kids, you don't want to raise your kids in the church kind of thing, right? So it's hard to say. Um it's hard to pinpoint. You'd have to say something specific that I could speak to generationally. And even then I wouldn't even want to speak for an entire generation. <laughs> so, but there are some people I relate to. I mean, like Reverend Natty Bowles Weber, she and I are the same age and there's certain things that are kind of, you know, she comes from a different, a different life experience than I do, but there are some ways in which she communicates that uh, I feel very, very um, resonant with. But then there are um, people who are, you know, in the millennial generation or in Gen Z or even in the boomer generation that I feel like, yeah, I can resonate with that. So I don't I don't know if that answers your question <laughs> or if it typically answers your question in a typical Gen X way of not answering any questions. <laughs> well, I think it's. It's helpful insofar as like we cannot speak for an entire generation of people, right? It is, again, contextual to our experience, right? And and where we find ourselves. And I always find it interesting when I am with a congregation and will ask them, you know, tell me, tell me what I can expect from midweek Lenten services, right? This is my first, it's my first Lent with you. Tell me what I can expect. Oh, we do hold an evening prayer. Yeah. Okay. So you're good, good Lutherans, right? You have your hold and hold an evening prayer, midweek Lenten service. And we just do it in the normal, in the normal way. And I go, okay, can you maybe say a little bit more about what normal is for you? Because again, what's normal for you and what is normal for um, you know, St. Swithin's in the Swamp Lutheran Church, it could be vastly different, right? Um, so recognizing that and, and, and to say there are people within our generation that we really connect with, and but it's not exclusive to that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And how that certainly for myself trans- transcends into my relationship with with the church and with faith and who I have connected with um, collegially and um, with members uh, largely because most of my members are usually the same age as my grandparents. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and so there is this, um, you know, both and of 
the cultural commute that Nadia Bowles-Weber talks about, right? Um, and then also finding these areas of common ground that are often very surprising because we're taught to believe that anybody who's older or younger than you couldn't possibly understand you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and so that is always delightfully surprising um, when we, when we come, when we come to this. And so I, I guess I'm, I'm always interested to hear from, from both colleagues and, and then from, uh, lay people, you know, what has your experience in the church been, not just in this period, but in general to have a sense, because I, I know for the, for the three of us, you know, we're all, rostered ministers or clergy in the evangelical lutheran church in canada and um yet we've had such very different experiences in and around the church for a whole host of of reasons right um and how and and how helpful it is i find it to be able to both find the areas of common ground, but also to be able to find those places where that experience is so different. And then you go, well, that explains a lot, right? Like that, 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 um, that shows me or reveals something to me that is just has not been my experience. And, and so now I can now be aware of, right? Something outside of myself. (laughs) Yeah. Because actually it's not all about me, right? Which is um, our human nature (laughs) to be curved in on ourselves, but to, but to be able to hear like, oh no, I don't have this experience of having a long line of, you know, Norwegian Lutheran pastors in my family and these ties to these, you know, church schools and institutions that just does not exist for me and so how that is helpful in my in my understanding right um starts filling in some of those some of those gaps absolutely I think that that all of us are challenged to be not so dismissive of each other right like of or of the other right like it just it um for what I think about my experience, I I think about the the layers of intersection as well, right? So if I feel like for whatever reason I'm not being um I'm being dismissed, like is it because I'm a Gen Xer? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm a woman of color? Is it because I'm a new to the Lutheran church, right? Like I don't know. All I know is that the experience isn't isn't good right and it's this experience of feeling dismissed and so the challenge for me is to not dismiss someone because they are like fifth generation you know Norwegian Lutheran kind of thing and you know to be honest I actually love hearing the stories of the families of the Lutheran church (laughs) I'm like tell me more this is like the Kardashians no (laughs) but you know I I but it's about how we treat each other like how we how we're able to coexist with all these different stories rather than like you said this curved in on ourselves sinful way of thinking that my way of seeing is the only way of seeing and and it just isn't true we don't even believe that so that's great 
Did you want to jump in at any point, yeah, uh, sorry, Pastor Parker? Like hearing, hearing, um, sort of, you reflect on what it means to be of you know particular, come from a particular um, perspective and context. Like, you know, I take a lot of the traditional boxes of of established Lutheranism in Canada, and so this one place where I don't. Like being a millennial in a church made by and f- built for boomers, I, you know, I I feel like my task now as a millennial pastor or a pastor who's a millennial is to be constantly pointing out to the church, okay, you know, you all live in this thing that's been sort of created for you, and you don't re- recognize that you are specific and a lot of people around you don't feel as at home or connected to the church as you do. And that experience, you know, then can be translated to, to all kinds of, you know, different ways in which people feel like they're, or they're constantly forced to reconcile with the fact that the church has not been built and created and shaped for them. And, and so, you know, like seeing that as, as my, um, as my duty to be constantly reminding people, okay, so like how we are church right now, it works for you all, but you all is a small little group of all the people who are literally a part of us now and all, and the even larger group of people that we would like to be a part of us. And so how can we change and adapt ourselves to, to expand what we are now rather than continue to hold on to and fight for to the exclusion of everybody else, this tiny little version of what we define as church that is shaped by, you know, this particular experience of Lutheranism from this particular generation, this particular background, and this particular history. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's grateful for your your sense of duty to this <laughs> and your voice that's constantly calling this out because that's that's it. I'm so grateful for you to have joined us today. Um, uh, thank you for to inviting To have me. this conversation and well, I look forward to doing it again. It can be the beginning of many more, hopefully. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you for the invitation and you guys are doing amazing work and I'm grateful for both of your voices in our church that that is challenging to, uh, this system that uh, that really wants to curve in on itself and uh, I know that the three of us are not alone that there are many others who who love this church and um, you know will fight the good fight to make sure <laughs> to make sure and yeah same to you we are grateful uh, for you and to you and for the gifts that you bring to the world and to our church in particular and as we wrap up today's episodes where can people find you reverend anita Saru? where can they find me oh my goodness like um i suppose they could uh they could check out our ch- uh, spirit of life uh, lutheran.ca um we have a, our links to our facebook page and our youtube channel there um please if you're ever in vancouver british columbia um the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, please come to the Spirit of Life and uh, say hello. We'd love, love to meet you. So, 
Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. What, what about you? As usual, you can find me um, on the Millennial Pastor blog, millennialpastor.ca. You can find me on Twitter at Parker Eric on Facebook, Millennial Pastor Facebook page, as well as Sherwood Park Lutheran Church, Winnipeg on Facebook and sherwoodpark.ca, although our website needs to be updated. <laughs> no no judgments here no judgments None. here so uh eric and i find ourselves on uh treaty one territory the territory of the anishinaabe cree og cree dene peoples and homeland of the metis nation i serve messiah lutheran church you can find us at messiahlutheran.ca on facebook youtube instagram and i'm on there too you can look me up using any one of my last names you'll usually find me and make sure you spell courtenay <laughs> courtenay courtenay <laughs> <laughs> to find me. I blame my parents. I did not choose the spelling. <laughs> the Millennial Pastors podcast is made possible by a generous grant from the Manitoba Northwestern Ontario Synod, whom you can find at mnosynod.org. The Millennial Pastors podcast is written and produced by us, the Reverend Courtney Reedman Parker and the Reverend Eric Parker with our theme song provided by Lutheran Outdoor Ministry in Alberta and the North all other music provided by audionautics.com this has been a couple of iphone pastors for a boomer church we'll see you on the other side bye for now <laughs> okay that was fun that was super fun yeah <laughs> <laughs>